Welcome back to another episode of In Search of Good Data. We are on episode 31, and today we will be talking just data in general and some interesting stats on something we like to call Ryan's Rundown. Of course, I'm your host, Carlos Guevara, and for Ryan's Rundown, I've got Ryan Sinsen here, who is our uh, social media and digital marketing specialist. Ryan, thanks for coming back on the show. Once again, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, today's episode, of course, like all of them, is brought to you by Allsight, the pioneers of customer intelligence platforms. You can learn more today about the CIP at www.allsight.com. So, Ryan, what do you have on your rundown today? Sure. So, you know, when I was compiling this list, I was thinking here at Allsight, we talk a lot about the finance industry, insurance, retail, manufacturing. So I really wanted to, you know, step out of that world for a minute and look at all the other other industries that are really impacted by data and how they're using data. So today I thought we could go through a couple um, different industries and talk about some stats that I found. That's interesting. interesting. So like everyday data. Exactly. So you know whether it's like sports stats or you know the film and TV in- industry. So I found some really cool stuff here. I think it'll be really interesting to go through each one and you know kind of d- indulge into it. You know, and it's interesting that you, you kind of bring this up in, uh, I guess, the first edition of Ryan's Rundown because mm-hmm. I think everyone needs to realize that every single day that you wake up, you're, you're creating some sort of data. You're creating some sort of footprint, whether it's digitally or just internally within mm-hmm. yourself. If today you woke up at 5.30 and yesterday you woke up at 6 a.m., that's a, that's some that's a new form of data, whether it's valuable to you or not. Um, it might actually also be valuable to someone else. I mean, think about all those people who've got Fitbits, right? Right. And they sleep with them. It, it tells them how they slept. It tells them what time they woke up. So, you know, every day we're, we're doing right. stuff and creating a digital right. footprint. And, you know, every individual person matters, even though some of these stats we're going to talk about um, are more on a large scale. You know, every person and how they're involved really makes an impact. So... All right, so let's dig right into it. Okay, so first, let's start off with the film, TV, and entertainment industry. So the first stat comes from Statista.com, and it says, the global box office revenue is forecast to increase from about 38 billion US dollars in 2016 to nearly 50 billion US dollars in 2020. So that's quite a big jump in just a few years. uh, You know, that's interesting. So I personally love going to the movies. I do. Of course. But I've also noticed that the ability and the option to just buy a generic ticket mm-hmm. is kind of slowly dwindling away, and I'm mm-hmm. getting options of like D Box and 3D mm-hmm. and AVX, IMAX, IMAX, all that. and it's just kind of like, what happened to my nine dollar ticket? You know? yes. <laughs> so I, I I don't doubt that that is yes. true. Yes, I mean that definitely has an impact, and I think just you know the big big cinematic releases that are happening you know whether it's from like the marvel movies and all that i think people are now there's something to say about seeing it in the theater getting that cinematic experience so i think that does play a role too like people are willing to spend more money on their ticket you know whether that means they're spending the extra ten dollars for that vip experience right so yeah i definitely think that does make an impact here for sure and seeing that big jump you know yeah yeah. i forgot the vip was an option as well there's those those vip theaters for uh the folks that don't want anyone under 18 uh in the theater with them but food drinks food drinks alcohol Mm -hmm. so what's 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 the last movie you saw ryan and how much did you spend if you can remember you know, I don't go to the movie theaters too often. <laughs> You're I'm not part of the stat, eh? I'm trying, no, I, I guess not. I'm trying to think what the last... I'm never good with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, how about you? What was the last movie? I went to watch Solo, um, just because I'm a oh, Star nice. Wars nerd. 
and I was like totally against it. Uh, I'm one of those guys who's on the wrong side of mm. the the what was the last one called? The Last Jedi. Yeah. So I was yep. one of those guys who did not like the Last Jedi. Right. I was kind of like, don't don't want to watch Solo. Right. But uh, our CEO Dave Corrigan here was like, Carlos, I know you're kind of like right. on the exit of Star Wars, but you need to go watch right. Solo. It's pretty entertaining and fun, and I liked it. It was really. I good. do want to see that movie. I actually just remembered the last movie I saw was Avengers: Infinity War. Yeah, I saw that twice <laughs> actually. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. All right, what else you Okay, got? so the next one is another movie-related one. So it says, according to a recent survey, 13% of Americans go to the movies about once a month. 7% go see movies in the movie theater several times a month, whereas 31% go less than once a year. This is a considerable share taking into account that 52% of American adults prefer watching movies at home. Yeah, and I can see why. Right. And this goes kind of back to, you know, the 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 cinema experience of like the VIP one, I'll right. give you an example. So VIP here, I believe in Toronto, I think it's like $24, $25, don't quote me on that. Mm -hmm. But it provides a somewhat secure blanket over the fact that the Yahoo's that are on their phones are not mm -hmm. going to be in this theater uh, or talking throughout because, you know, people mm -hmm. will value more of an expensive ticket. These are the people that are more interested in actually watching it. Mm -hmm. Or they could just be people that want to drink booze while they're, right. while they're watching a movie. Personally, I get that though, because when I'm at home, I have my own controlled environment. Exactly. I can pause, I can rewind, whatever. Right. So, uh, yeah, and I was gonna say, on the other hand, you know, maybe fifty percent, fifty-two percent are those yahoos who like to just text <laughs> and hang out while they watch a movie. You know, pause it, go to the washroom. Yeah, so, you're right. I, I can see both ends. I mean, I think going to the movies is definitely like an experience. It's a yeah. night out. It's more of like. I mean, you can also go to the movies by yourself, but I, I would still consider it like a social, you know, outing, right. entertainment for yourself. Whereas, you know, personal at home is just kind of like throwing it on for some boredom. So are you that guy that makes comments in between the movies? No, I actually, that's a pet peeve of mine, is people <laughs> talking in the movies. I, I cannot stand that. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I think I'm that stat because I can honestly say for the last 45 months, I've at least gone once to the movie theaters. Oh, yeah, good. So I recently moved and there's a movie theater about seven minute walk from my place. So with all these summer movies coming out, I'm definitely going to have to go. Right on. OK, so this last one is the last movie related stat. Sorry. Um, it's actually related to a movie that was just released this past week, the new Jurassic Park movie. Mm. So that was released on Friday, mm. and it is entitled Jurassic World The Fallen Kingdom. Uh, it grossed just over $150 million this past weekend from 4,475 theaters in the U.S. So just to give you some context, that's an average of $33,520,000 per theater. And the film's budget itself was actually $170 million. Wow. So it pretty much made its budget back, just shy of $20 million. Um, <laughs> just $20 million. In, in one weekend. <laughs> well, I think they're on track to yeah. get there. I think they'll be fine. Yeah. But that's interesting. You know what? I actually stand corrected. I, the last movie I did watch was this weekend. Oh, I saw, wow. But the reason I didn't bring it up is because I don't know if I should count. So I, I saw this at the drive-in theater. So I don't know if oh. a drive-in theater counts as a theater. Maybe they've got their own statistics. I don't know. That's still a theater. Okay. Well, then I guess technically <laughs> Jurassic Park was okay, the last one I okay. saw. And I, I, I will say, without spoilers, it's a pretty cool movie. Nice. I mean, it's Jurassic nice. Park. So, yeah, it's dinosaurs. It's action. What yeah, more could you sure. want? The original trilogy will never be touched, though. I'm sorry. I could do without the last one, though. I'm sorry to I say. Could do without oh, Jurassic Park 3? I, I could oh, do without Park 3. That's true. I see that. Yeah. I see that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's move over. We're still on the entertainment side, but uh, into TV. This one, right. I thought, was really, really put things into perspective. Uh, this comes from the Statistic Brain Research Institute, and it says the amount of years the average person will have spent watching TV is nine years. 
wow. nine years of your life. That's a small child. A small child's life is the amount of time an average person will spend watching <clears throat> TV. It's probably only going to increase, though, because oh, yeah. Netflix and Amazon and, I mean, in the States, they've got Hulu and all these other mm -hmm. cool options. I am personally part of that cord-cutting generation, so I don't have cable. Oh, yeah. I don't just kind of sit on, like a zombie and watch commercials. Mm -hmm. I only sit if I've got something on Netflix mm -hmm. that I really want to watch. Um, right now, for example, the World Cup is on. So right. I'm definitely glued to my TV for that. So I guess, right. yeah, I mean, yeah. it's... And, I, and as you said, exactly, with like sports and like Netflix, movies, TV, I guess yeah. that all compiles into the TV watching experience. So that that is pretty crazy to think about, you know. Nine even, years of your life. Nine years of your life. Even if it's just like an hour a day every day, I guess it adds up. Yeah, for sure. That's so proper time. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. Okay, and on the topic of Netflix, this ne next one comes from Comparatech.com. Right. Uh, this one I thought was interesting uh, just because, you know, it seems like they're an early adopter of this technology. It says, in 2000, Netflix began using a combination of collected big data and analytics tools to recommend videos for users to rent. So I guess this was at the time before Netflix was more of a streaming, right. it was like a rental service. But I thought that was pretty cool that they, all the way back in 2000, almost 20 years ago now, they were using big data analytics even back then. Doesn't surprise me though. I mean, mm -hmm. because I remember here we had something called Redbox in Canada. Oh yeah. I don't know if it was the same thing. I no, not... that, that existed for sure. Right, and I remember one of the things you had to do was sign up with an email. So I didn't have an account, but I wouldn't doubt that anyone who did was getting email suggestions saying, hey, you just rented out you know, um, Saw 3, you might be into mm -hmm. this other horror movie or something. So. Yeah, very interesting to know. And that. it's very smart because I, I have no doubt that that actually would push some people to say, oh, I do want to see that movie. And maybe they wouldn't have gone back to that red box if they hadn't have gotten that notification. So, right, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely important. Uh, the next one, Netflix related, which is crazy. Uh, in the first quarter of 2018 alone, Netflix added more than 7.5 million new customers. 5.5 million of those subscribers joined outside of the US. And just to put that into perspective, Netflix competitor Hulu, which you previously mentioned, ended 2017 with only 17 million subscribers. So in just their first quarter, they almost reached half of the subscribers that Hulu had in their whole year. You know, pretty crazy. It's, it's crazy. And um, they both offer very similar, if not, mm -hmm. let's just say the same type of option, like solution, right? Mm -hmm. Just different type of programming, I guess. And even sometimes, like I've logged into my Amazon Prime video account and there's a lot of similar titles. But you know what it is? I, for me at least, and maybe other people will will relate. It just sounds cooler. Netflix. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, <laughs> yeah, it's just a cool like, Netflix, right? I mean, Branding is everything, you know. Absolutely. It really is. And I, I think they're only going to continue to grow. You know, I mean, you know, there's talk of Disney coming out with their own streaming service soon, and all these other competitors. So it's going to be interesting to see how they stand. You know, because when Disney comes, all those ABC shows, everything is off Netflix. Star Wars, for sure. Marvel. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how, but. I mean, I think they'll be okay, especially with all their original content that they've been producing. I think they'll they'll stay. So, are you a fan of the original stuff on Netflix? Uh, some of it. So, I personally only well, I can't say only, but I I would say a good eighty percent of my watching is the original original stuff. Mm. I don't want to rewatch old shows it's that I've true. watched or movies. I'm not actually into the movies on Netflix. I like right. the, the shows. The shows are so much better. Yeah. I agree with you there. The acting in the movies is pretty bad. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Well, yeah, some of them are, are hit or miss. Some <laughs> yeah. of them are just like, why? <laughs> yeah, interesting. Anyway, so I, I guess just to sum up, you know, right. the film the film and TV industry, I think there's going to be so many more stats coming out. There's so many stats every day. So it's really cool just to, you know, just out of these few to see in yeah. perspective. Okay. 
Um, so let's move on to sports. So first little stat I have here comes from USA Today uh, with you know the NBA season just ending last month or a few months ago now, I believe. Um, I thought this was interesting. So, you know, King James, everyone loves King James. I'm not sure. I don't know do about the people in Toronto. Oh, that's true. I don't know about Toronto. <laughs> I'm a Toronto fan, but I can respect. For LeBron. sure. Anyway, um, so in 2018, LeBron James averaged 9.1 assists per game, which was a career high for him. Uh, he also tied his own career high with 8.6 rebounds per contest and hit his most threes per game, which was 1.8. Uh, it's also worth noting that he's only 33 years old and in his 15th NBA season, so it's quite an accomplishment. That's insane. Oh, yeah. I mean, among my friends, we always chat about, you know, what's happening in the world of, of professional basketball, and we just refer to this guy as, he's a mutant. Like, this guy is, if, crazy. if the school of Charles Xavier existed, he would be, like, top uh-huh. student, because he's a gifted guy. He is uh-huh. he's completely gifted. I'll never forget that last jump shot that he did against the, the Raptors in one of the, the recent playoff games this year. The guy looked like he was just in a playground. Like he, mm-hmm. he has fun with it, and I think that an element of any you know of any profession is once the mm-hmm. fun is out, it reflects on your mm-hmm. performance. And he consistently just looks like he's mm-hmm. having a great time. So these stats are just they're mind blowing, but yeah. they're not surprising. Did I ever tell you about when I saw LeBron James in person? Where and how? This is a little side note. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so I went to go see Drake in concert last summer at his OVO Fest in Toronto, and I was like pretty close to the front. Like it was like the best seats I'd ever had at a concert, probably. Uh, and I just happened to look over like halfway through the concert, and there was LeBron James, like eight like eight feet away from me, having the time of his life. It was so crazy, and he's actually like I'm sure you could assume he's that tall in real life, but it was like scary to see. So in my internal <laughs> memory slash data bank, yeah. I have now created a new file that has uh, Ryan's music taste in it. <laughs> uh, it's pretty broad. I wouldn't I wouldn't judge it off that. But and I, I now know you're a, you're a Hotline Bling uh, fan. So he's pretty good. <laughs> Let me just do that. Anyway, okay. So let's uh, shift gears now to I know your favorite, Carlos, soccer. Yep. So Guilty. yes. So this stat comes from Statista.com once again. Great site for stats, by the way. Um, so, just talking soccer, the LA Galaxy is one of the league's most prestigious teams. Besides having one of the highest revenue among all the MLS franchises, the LA Galaxy is the only team which has won five MLS Cup trophies. The LA-based team is also the team with the highest franchise value, along with the Seattle Sounders, Toronto FC, Portland Timbers, and Sporting Kansas City rounding out the top five in the league in terms of franchise value. A long time ago, everyone's like soccer is not going to work in North America. Right. And I mean it's it's been a slow crawler, mm-hmm. but to see where a club like the Los Angeles Galaxy are today and now they even have another team in LA. So that speaks volumes. Wow. Yeah, so they've got a cross city rival. Um, and the other team deems itself the better team because they're located in downtown LA. So it's kind of like this rivalry of like suburbs versus downtown. Mm-hmm. But you know, the LA Galaxy will always be the OGs, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're one of the original clubs of the MLS from back when I think the World Cup came in 94 to the US. Um, it's huge, like that's that's insane. And to see that, that a soccer club in the United States, in North America, has that type of value is insane. And it's, it, I'm happy for it, because you know, I come from a culture where soccer is king and to see everyone across the board now jumping on board with football or soccer, it's nice, mm-hmm. it's great to hear that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the next stat here mm-hmm. is great uh, coming off that point, uh, both both Major League Soccer attendance and viewership have increased since 2008, 
Uh, in the spring of 2017, the number of people who attended an MLS soccer game amounted to 3.65 million within a period of 12 months. Atlanta United FC games were attended by an average of 48.2 thousand spectators in 2017, which is the highest average per game attendance in the league. Uh, um, some other teams with a high average attendance include Seattle Sounders, Orlando City, New York City FC, Toronto FC, and LA Galaxy. The number of people who watched an MLS event on broadcast TV reached more than 11.5 million in the spring of 2017. That's insane. Yeah, so even people watching from home, you know? Yeah, and that, you know, it doesn't surprise me. And, and you brought up um, Atlanta United. Um, yeah. And they're huge. I mean, in their first season, they had a pretty good run, even in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And I know um, Atlanta's Mercedes-Benz Stadium is probably one of the smartest stadiums in the world. They've, they've got integration with IBM and IBM Watson, I believe, and they're just doing so much from like on a digital perspective on building the fan experience mm -hmm. in a way that, uh, you know, <clears throat> nudge nudge Toronto. I wish uh, <laughs> we, we had here where, you know, you're, you're engaging more with your season ticket holders and, and yeah. the people that come often. Um, this is a team that knows that they're in the, I mean, they're in a place of the United States where they love their teams, right, in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. um, not to say other places don't, but Atlanta has this, something mm -hmm. special about them. And they're, they're bringing it into, like, the next era of, of that experience. And right. it kind of reminds me Fan of um, what Claudio Ludovici yeah. was talking about on the last podcast about, sure. you know, make fans of your, your brand, uh, sorry, make, make customers mm -hmm. of your brand into fans. Mm -hmm. These people know they've already got fans, and they're just mm -hmm. taking it to the next level to keep them fans, mm -hmm. whether the team's doing well or not. And their team is doing well. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, you never know. I mean, like, even with this stat here, they're included among um, the highest average attendance. So who knows what's to come in the years ahead. Yeah, for sure. So moving on to hockey, which is my personal favorite sport. Um, <laughs> today, the NHL encompasses 30 franchises, of which seven are located in Canada and 23 in the United States. The Montreal Canadiens, which is your favorite team, are the most successful franchise in the league in terms of championships, having won the Stanley Cup 24 times. That's crazy, yeah. I mean, they're, they are the most successful team. I, they haven't been successful lately, mm. but uh, I remember that's one of the reasons I became they a fan, were. watching them grow, mm. growing up, watching them win the Stanley Cup. Um, that's crazy, and I know the NHL has expanded. This year we saw mm. an expansion team go all the way to the final. Yeah, for the first year. For the first year. And it was, it's great for the city of Vegas, especially with everything that mm -hmm. you know, they went through. Um, mm -hmm. It really built up a community thing, and, and everybody kind of just threw their, their weight behind this one team, and it was really great to see. It's great for hockey mm -hmm. expanding into regions that I think, you know, here in Canada we kind of like, think, hey, how come we don't get more teams? And where are these yeah. we, these desert areas getting teams like Arizona and, and LA, uh, like LA and Vegas and stuff. But there is hockey there, you know, and, mm -hmm. and there are people who, who go and watch these mm -hmm. games. There is a fan For base. For sure, yeah. yeah. If only my team, I'm, I'm from Ottawa, so if only my team, the Sens, could make it there. Uh, you had a good run. Know. We'll see. And you lost against Anaheim, uh, so you had yeah. your chance. Let's not get into it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so another hockey stat here. In the regular season, a league-wide total of 1,230 games are played that are attended by more than 20 million people in total each year. Wow. So, you know, hockey is just, they definitely have an audience. But, yeah, it's interesting. It would nice be... Nice to see more teams in Canada. Just going back to that previous data, sorry, of only seven teams in Canada while there's 23 in the U.S. 
But, you know, I, I think, you know, we're very spoiled here in North America because it's like tonight I can go watch a Jays game. Tomorrow I can go watch an FC game. Right. Then I can go watch a Raptor game. We've got our Leafs game, Marley's game, Argos mm-hmm. game. Like uh, I could go across the border, watch a Bills game. Mm-hmm. There's just so much variety and so much options. that It's 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 awesome to be mm-hmm. a sports fan for in sure. this part of the world. Yeah, sure. there's lots to, lots to see. That's yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's all we got today for Ryan's Rundown. Um, expect in the future of the podcast more of these episodes to come. I think it'd be great to, you know, look in even other industries and even delve more into these ones and just see uh, stats. It's so interesting to see and put it into perspective. For sure. Yeah, these are fun. I mean, we the world of data could be cold, could be huge, mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, times people kind of get lost and overwhelmed and how big it is and they think it doesn't apply to all these things that everyone does and enjoys mm-hmm. in their everyday life. Um, every day we're consistently creating data <clears throat> from swiping your credit card, uh, running a 5K in an X amount of time, whatever it is you're doing out there, you're creating your own internal data um, and you're going online and talking about these things that you're doing mm-hmm. is another way of digital footprinting what sure. it is you're doing, which in turn creates data. The, the cool thing about everything we do is that you know organizations um, that we do business with, that we partner with, that we are fans of, they're listening. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, kind of like the whole LeBron James stats and all these hockey stats mm-hmm. and movie stats, <clears throat> I find that in society, there's so much stats being thrown out there. You know, like you're on the treadmill, you're running, you're watching the news, you're watching the ticker, there's all these numbers and mm-hmm. this and that. It's just it's it's just white noise and it goes in out exactly. one year, out the other. And I find that this could easily happen with organizations as well, mm-hmm. right? So, Ryan, you've got a bank account, you've got mm-hmm. insurance, you've got probably a, a library card somewhere. But, <laughs> I do. <actually. laughs> but you know, and I'm sure when you have a good experience, like you have a bad one, you go and you talk about it or you mm-hmm. call in about it or, you know, you're just calling in to do a transaction or a request. Um, again, creating more data for mm-hmm. these organizations to maybe use to better your experience. Now, are these organizations like individuals just thinking this is a bunch of white noise? What do you think? I don't know. I think maybe sometimes um, companies may have so much data that they just don't know how to manage it right. and make sense of it. You know, they think they, you know they they look at it and they see they see one thing, but how can they really use it to improve that customer's experience um, and you know minimize the negative feedback and negative experiences happening? So yeah, I think they just are looking for the right management system. Yeah, and you know it's it's about taking everything about the customer and creating that 360 degree view of the mm-hmm. customer. Um, and this is kind of what a customer intelligence platform did, right? So could you imagine having, as an individual, some sort of device that will bring in everything that you're hearing or seeing mm-hmm. and filter it into an applicable way that you could use this in your daily mm-hmm. life? So that's kind of what a customer intelligence platform is, but for a business. Um, it's basically something that you know brings together all customer data, derives it into an intelligent form of data, and then creates some sort of actionable mm-hmm. 360 um, for all users across the business, right? So you know this is not sci-fi. This is something that actually exists. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of folks, because it's a it's a new term that you know in March 2018 the 451 Research Group coined. Um, the term customer intelligence platform as this new form of enterprise software category. So because it's relatively new, a lot of people are still thinking, you know, what the heck is a customer intelligence platform? Um, and the great thing is that there is a learning opportunity that's, uh, that's coming up on Thursday, June 28th at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. There is an all-site webinar that is uh, free. Anyone can register and listen to it. 
Um, and it actually will address the question, what is a customer intelligence platform? Um, what is it exactly? How can I utilize it? Either I work in banking, insurance, if I'm a retailer or some sort of manufacturing, uh, hospitality. Um, can it address initiatives in marketing, you know, transformational, digital transformation, customer experience, risk compliance, is this all applicable and how does it work? Um, so uh, the CEO or our CEO at Allsite, David Corrigan, uh, will be live on this webinar answering questions like what is a CIP, mm -hmm. Customer Intelligence Platform, how is it different from other data management solutions, what components make it up, what skills do I need to have to leverage it, and who benefits from this, what type of governance is needed, what type of criteria, you name it, it's all going to be answered on this webinar. For sure, and the great part about this webinar actually is that us here at Allsite, we want to hear from you. So, you know, if you have a question, uh, you can tweet your own question to us at, at Allsite, the Twitter handle, with the hashtag, what is a CIP? So that, once again, that is at our Twitter handle, at Allsite, with the hashtag, what is a CIP, along with your question, and we'll be happy to answer it for you. Yeah, so Ryan is uh, the overseer of the social media, yes. and he'll be there watching and I'll listening. I'll make sure every question gets answered. Yeah, no. so uh, from my understanding, you're going to be teeing them up to Dave Corrigan as yeah. he's doing this yeah, webinar? Yeah, for sure, and then I'm sure... I, I believe there are, um, as you mentioned, some questions already in place. So we'll yeah. go through that Q&A <clears throat> process. And then if anybody has questions, you know, they can answer through the webinar or on social media. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's great. So again, folks, if you are interested in learning more about what a customer intelligence platform is and how it can help you ingest all this data that's out there on your customers uh, or your, your business users, um, there is an opportunity to learn about what a CIP, Customer Intelligence Platform, is on Thursday, June 28th, 2018 at 11 a.m., which is this week, Thursday. So there's lots of time to register, but don't wait till the end. Mm -hmm. um, and it will be a live webinar. So mm -hmm. we're hoping to see you all registered and, and listening in and learning more about what this CIP platform uh, is and how you can use it. Ryan. Thanks for joining me and bringing your it rundown. A, it was a pleasure. I can't wait to do this again. You know, I saw it said Ryan's rundown today. I thought you were going to be running around here. In the, <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, Ryan. It's a rundown of stats, man. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. All right, folks. Uh, I'm your host, Carlos Guevara. And thank you again for listening to another episode of In Search of Good Data. I am looking forward to our next episode and talking more about data. Ryan, maybe you can join me next time. Or, or I would love we'll, to. We'll I'm, I'm always available. Yeah. All right, folks, have a great week, and we'll talk then.